Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, we're here. I'll show you. Dude, this is a national ballpark museum. They've got displays about all the great old ballparks, not old ball players. And I do mean old. Hey, that's not what I heard. I heard they got a display that features the first homegrown color Rocky. That would be me. Okay, look, there's Bruce Hellerstein over there. He owns the place. Let's go ask him. Hey, that's fine with me. Hi, Bruce. How's it going? Manny, Mark, good to see you guys. Come on in. Hey, Bruce, Manny here doesn't believe me. He doesn't believe you've got a Mark Knudsen display here at your museum. Well, he's sort of right. Right over here, we've got a display all about the Denver Zephyrs. I'm pretty sure Mark's Zephyrs baseball card is in there somewhere. Oh, his minor league card. I got you. Hey, it's something, right? If you say so. So, you two just come down here to see the displays? Actually, we're getting ready to do our podcast. Oh, wow. That's great. I had no idea they let you back on the air, Mark. What's your show called? It's the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Give me a Knudsen. Knudsen! Thank you. We've got a doubleheader for you this week on the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast, featuring a couple of former Denver Bears who went on to distinguished major league careers. First, Manny visits with Hall of Famer Tim Raines, who began his climb to stardom with the 1980 Denver Bears at Mile High Stadium. After that, we're joined by another former Bear who became the first winning pitcher in Colorado Rockies history, Brent Smith, who reminisces about the famous opening day at Mile High back 30 years ago. Their teammates forever linked in Colorado baseball history. That's next. Don't go anywhere. We're back with Manny and Tim Rock Raines right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, Look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. We have the great Tim Raines back on the uh, Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, a Hall of Famer. Tim, uh, you spent uh, a little bit of time here in Denver playing for the Bears, and what a season that was, what a team that was, 1980. You stole 77 bases. I think you played in 105 games. You had a 3-4-5 slash line. Uh, just an incredible all-around year. Um, what are your recollections of that season, that team, and um, how much fun was it to play uh, here at, at Mile High? Uh, probably the most fun I ever had. I mean, really? Um, playing with a team that was a great team. I mean, we were like 44 games over 500. Uh, we didn't win it because we ended up losing our pitching staff for the, for the major leagues. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, great, best time I ever had. I mean, playing here in, in Mile High, too, was a great place. I mean, the ball traveled, you know, quite nicely. And, um, I was able to utilize my speed and what power I had, which I didn't have much. Uh, but it was a great place to play. I mean, I was a second baseman, so I had started playing the outfield as, as yet and uh, I just really enjoyed playing it. The yeah, fans were awesome too. Yeah, I mean they've been hungry for baseball here at that at that point they had been going on 10, 20 years trying to get a team here and obviously they got the team the next uh, following decade but um, you played with a few of the uh, original Rockies and also a few of the um, Lakes, original Lake Street Bombers, obviously Andre Scalaraghi, you saw him come up, Larry Walker a little bit toward the end there. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then Ellis Burks, you had uh, in Chicago mm -hmm. uh, with that with that great team in uh, Chicago with Frank Thomas, Bo Jackson, and yourself and uh, Ellis. He said that team. He told me that team was the best, the most fun he's ever had in baseball. That '93 White Sox team. Yeah. Um, what are your recollections of those three in particular, Walker, Galarraga, and Ellis Burks, who ended up making a big name for themselves here in Colorado? Uh, they were all great players, you know, and uh, great friends of mine as yeah. well. Um, you know, coming up with those guys, uh, it was it was uh, it was just cool to, to, to see great players uh, before they became great. Right. You know, and uh, I knew it was in them. Um, like with the cat, I mean, Andres was kind of like at the at a, at a, at a low point. You know, when Don Baylor kind of took him. Well, he, he, he hit for a high average, but he didn't really have any power. Yeah. Uh, hit the ball the other way. I think he needed something, someone that kind of put him in position to utilize his power. And once he went to, I think it was St. Louis, he uh, figured that out and he came here and had some great years here as well. But Larry, Larry was always a great player. Larry Walker was just a phenomenal athlete, big, strong, fast. Uh, and could do anything on the on the baseball field, and I knew he was going to be a great player. Uh, and you, Ellis how, Burks, how was it for you to see? You kind of started this new wave of guys getting a lot of support with the analytics for, for the Hall of Fame, you know, and, and looking back at, at and taking a making a reexamination of guys. How nice was it for you to see not only yourself, former Expo, but then Larry go into the Hall of Fame as well? I was it was I was so happy for him. I was so happy. Uh, he deserved it, and uh, you know it, it, it took him way too long. Uh, and I don't understand uh, how it, how the voters really leave him out. I mean, just because he played in Colorado, there's tons of guys played in Colorado. I mean, those Major stats. Ballpark. Yeah, those stats that uh, you have in Colorado still is on your baseball park. Right. So. Uh, I, I think it's unfair that, that people even makes that uh, an emphasis. Uh, I mean, Todd Hilton should have got in, I think, this year. Seems like he's getting help now as far yep. as uh, he's going to get in, right? Yeah, so, I mean, 11 sooner. votes. So he'll, he'll get those 11 votes oh, next time around. And I'm happy for him because he's a great player. He deserves it. And uh, uh, can't wait that he gets that chance to get in. You were going to mention Ellis Burks. Tell me about '93 because he said he just he just laughed every day of that season, and that season was just with the U. Bo Frank Thomas, um, just a fun season, and that, that that team won the 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 division title for the first time in ten years. Yeah, we had a great team. I mean, it was it was it was a great mix, and uh, you know, we actually liked each other. You know, and I think. You know, all teams have those players that click very well, but it's, sometimes it's hard to get great players to, to kind of click all at once. And uh, that was the team. That. that was the team that did that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I was older. Uh, Ellis was kind of in his prime. And, uh, that was kind of know, a Frank comeback season yeah. for Ellis, right? Yeah. Like he had to prove himself after right. the injuries and being right. let go by Rip Boston. Yeah. Right, and, and I think he, he was a perfect mix for us, perfect fit for us uh, in Chicago. And uh, we were a team that was on the rise and had some good young players, Frank Thomas and, uh, you know, great young staff. Uh, so um, uh, it, was, uh, it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun. 
Uh, Mark Knutson's still mad at you, by the way. Mark Knutson, you went two for six off of him lifetime, and you robbed him of what he says right to this day would have been his only major league hit. Line drive, left center field, you're right there to come and get it. He thought, I've got my first career here. So I just he, he wanted to make sure that I mentioned that to you. Tell him, um, tell him I'm sorry. Okay, all right. I don't know if it's going gonna, it's gonna to help. But lastly, how great was it when you heard Denver was going to get a major league franchise? Oh, man, I was so happy for Denver. Uh, you know, I, was, I was hoping that, you know, the team that we had back in 80 would kind of show people that this place is ready for major league baseball. And uh, I'm not sure it did, but I remember 4th of July, there was like 50,000 or 60,000 people there for a minor league baseball game. So, yeah. Uh, I think they proved that uh, they deserve it, and uh, I'm happy that they have it. They sure did. Great fans here in the Rocky Mountain region. Tim Raines, thank right. you very much. Appreciate My you being pleasure. on the show. It is our great pleasure now to be joined by uh, one of the all-time best Denver Bears and Colorado Rockies, the opening day starter at Mile High Stadium back in uh, 1993, that tremendous day that began with Eric Young's home run, also included seven shutout innings from the Rockies opening day pitcher, Brent Smith, that day. Brent, thank you for taking some time to join us today. Well, sure. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time. It has been a while. You're, you're still very well regarded in Denver. Um, you spent a lot of time here. You're, you're lucky you're not here right now when it's like two degrees outside. But uh, nonetheless, we are very glad to have you on the on the show. Yeah, thanks. We're, uh, we're, we're blessed to be in sunny California right now, but uh, watching weather, uh, yep, snowing. Always. We're not getting snow now, but uh, we've had plenty. Trust you me. guys. You guys still getting the rain though, or are you guys you guys uh, done with that? Uh, well, you know, we got a good brunt of it. Uh, we're, we're kind of uh, uh, kind of cleaning up messes now, but uh, you know, it's it's been blessed in some places, but unfortunately, other places, uh, you know, got hit pretty hard. Well, we're glad to, we're glad everybody in your family is okay and that uh, things are good in your in your area. Hey, Smitty, uh, we were talking. Manny talked earlier with Tim Raines, who was here over the weekend. Uh, Hall of Famer, former teammate of yours. What are your recollections of playing with Rock Reigns? So the first time uh, I met Tim Reigns was in Memphis, Tennessee in AA. Timmy was a second baseman, had great skills, could hit, could run. You know, the the term rock came from him playing second base. His hands were of rocks, so uh, <laughs> he, he had a hard time feeling the ball. A rock at, a rock it, at the keystone it, position. In, in the infield. Yeah, rock rock was a tough time at second, but uh, you know, again, the the expo organization, uh, the front office people, uh, all of those people that that put together those great, uh, not only great teams but uh, great organization, uh, you know, they made a move to put him in the outfield, and he seemed to adapt to that really quick. Uh, you know, he could run obviously and cover a lot of ground. Uh, was just a matter of uh, you know wh- what position he was going to play, and I think they put him in center field to start, uh, and, and then he actually was called up later on that year. Uh, but there was a guy by the name of Andre Dawson who was playing center field, so uh, yep. left field seemed to be the place to put him. So that's why. So so Andre Dawson really is the reason why Mark Knutson doesn't have a hit, didn't have a hit in his career. Ah, that's right at the plate. <laughs> because apparently, apparently, and I talked well, to him about I talked to Tim about this because he, he I, I had to remind him that he robbed uh, uh, Mark of the only hit that he would have ever had because Mark thought he was he had a solid single left center field, but there there comes Reigns and he made the catch. Smitty, you remember? Um, yeah, again, uh, Smitty, no, you know, the, again, those guys could cover some ground. Smitty, you remember um, Dan Chatzeter, <clears throat> your, your former teammate who uh, was a University I of Denver do. product. 
And Schatz was pitching that day against me in the, in the yes, Astrodome, pitching against me in the Astrodome. And he had gotten a, you know, Schatz was a really good hitter. And he hit about a 50 hopper up the middle and got a base hit off me. And he he, he felt bad. He, he wouldn't look at me when he stand on first base because it was a cheapie. And so when I came up to bat, he kind of grooved one for me. And I hit a line drive right over the shortstop. I thought, it's a routine base hit. I got my first. And, and I think Reigns was, thought it was slow pitch softball or something because he was standing right behind shortstop and caught it waist high. Took away my only chance to hit. I only had 18 at-bats, but mm-hmm. that would have been my only hit. So I've really never forgiven him for that. What was he doing there? Well, do you think you know they have the white line like softball? Uh, had to play behind it. I would have had a hit. I, 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 yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. You know, again, our, our hits when we got them, if we got them, were very valuable. Right. So, you know, I'm sure Rock probably played shallow. Shallow. He uh, obviously didn't respect your That's power, right. and uh, you know, again, he was, uh, <laughs> he was, he was in the right place. Well, not for me, but yes, uh, he certainly didn't respect power because he'd never seen it because there wasn't any. So. Anyway, turn the page on that one. But um, the Expos, like you mentioned, Andre Dawson, there were some spectacular baseball players came up through that organization. You you played with Brad Mills and Tim Wallach and Dave Hosteller and Randy Bass, who who went on to be was a Denver Bear legend here in 1980, went on to become a, a hero in Japan. I mean, the Expos just kept churning them out and churning them out. What was the secret to that organization? Well, you know, again, I I think the the just the recognition uh, not only of talent, I think, but a lot has to do with makeup. You know, Gary Hughes and Gebhardt, you know, Pat Doherty, the, talking to these guys, and they were part of the Rockies organization mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the inaugural season. Um, you know, the, these guys just meshed very well, I think. And they, uh, again, I, I, I think they, 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 knew, uh, they knew talent. They also knew makeup, uh, you know, and they just had a really good feel for players, uh, both personality as well as uh, again talent, and uh, you know when I first actually when I was traded to the Expos back in 1978, uh, my my first go around in Denver uh, for me personally didn't go real well. I started off 0 and six, uh, and went back to Double A for a couple of years. But uh, again, at those times, boy, all those guys were coming, and sanderson and gullickson and charlie lees and and you know the pitching department and then again you go into the talent pool that uh that they had uh again just a i think probably if not one of the best uh developing organizations in baseball Bryn, um <clears throat> you have the uh, fast forwarding to 93 you have uh quite a distinction in the sense that you were the first starting pitcher in a home game in colorado rockies history and uh, as you and, and everyone knows that's listening, I'm sure, um, pitching in Denver has not gone very well for most people. You threw seven scoreless innings that first game. Um, and, you know, if if uh, if that was to be any barometer, um, pitchers were going to end up being great at in Colorado. But that didn't quite happen because and for obvious reasons. What was the key on that day, uh, given you have 80,000 people there, you, it's the first ever game for a for a. A, a fan base that was rabid and for baseball waiting for 30 years for a team for a major league team. Uh, how were you able to keep those nerves under control and pitch so well? Well, it, it, uh, it was definitely a, a process. Uh, you know, first of all, Larry Walker wasn't in the Expos lineup. So that was a plus that on helps. our side. Yeah. Well, he um, was there. He was I there. That, I mean, he said, yeah. he said that he was, he was in the dugout and he said that uh, he remembered that game and that EY home run when he was a free agent thinking about where he wanted to go and, and uh, he remembers the fans from 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 that game. 
Yeah, no question. You know, again, the day was a, a very exciting day for everybody. I think Major League Baseball, as well as the city of Denver, um, and, and the whole thing. I, I think the, the biggest thing, if I did have anything going for me, was that I had very good success there, uh, you know, back in the 81 season. And uh, I was I was comfortable pitching there. Um, the elements for me really didn't bother me that much. Um, you know, they talk about the air, they talk about the the movement or the break or your curveball not curving or what have you. But me being a sinker ball pitcher, uh, you know, my 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 forte is to keep the ball on the ground. And basically, I just kind of went about my routine. Uh, you know couple of hits in the first inning there, but got another ground ball to get out of it. Uh, once EY hit the home run and, and the place lit up like, uh, like crazy, um, I started to settle in a little bit. And there were some plays there that were made that, uh, you know, again, baseball is just a beautiful game. Felipe or uh, Moses Lou hit a ball in the gap uh, for a triple, but he overslid third base and he was tagged out. So, that could have changed things as well. But uh, I think, again, I, my main focus was just to, uh, you know, get outs, uh, keep guys, keep the ball on the ground, let our defense do our work. Uh, and as we started to accumulate more runs, uh, I was able to to not be too fine, but kind of go after the hitter. And, and it's kind of funny. Once, once a team kind of gets behind lines, that actually helps because now, uh, you get early count outs. Um, they're swinging at balls maybe they normally wouldn't swing at. So, uh, you know, everything just started to fall in place. And 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 you know, if I it's speaking of the sinker ball, if I remember correctly, all three outs in the first inning were EY. I think I think they were all ground balls to to EY. So that that goes to show you how that sinker was working that day. And and, and it's it was it was quite a. I mean, it's a day obviously that will never be forgotten here in Denver because of. I mean, most people remember the EY home run, but you were you were tremendous. That that things don't turn out as well if you had a typical course field out or a mile high outing or course field field outing. But uh, after that game, what was kind of the feeling like? I mean, it was uh, you know it was eleven to four. It was a win in the first game at, at, in uh, Rockies' home history. Um, what was that like after the feeling like afterwards? And what what does it still feel like today to be the guy who was on the mound that day uh, and pitched so well in that first game? Well, you know, after the game uh, that afternoon or that early evening, uh, we went out to dinner and, and uh, I walked into the, to a restaurant. I, I Unfortunately, I can't remember the name, but uh, I got a standing ovation. Nice. Uh, and I, I remember my dad saying that, you know, you could probably run for governor right now if you wanted to. But, you know, again, it was just uh, it was such a great feeling to to for the organization uh, you know, and it's kind of a cool story in that, you know, me, me as personal, uh, me playing for the Denver Bears, me playing for the Montreal Expos, uh, this is at the very tail end of my career. I'm now pitching against the Montreal Expos in Denver, in Mile High Stadium. Uh, so it was kind of a kind of a neat, neat, neat background deal there. But uh, I was just so excited for the organization. Uh, you know, gosh, we we played a couple of games in New York. Uh, we, we didn't start off real good, but getting that first win, uh, you know, again, now, now, now the ball starts and, and now the season really goes. So I was, I was just so, uh, so again, so excited, so fortunate, so blessed to be able to be on the mound at that time. 
and to be part of that uh, that great day and and that's probably for me probably the biggest game that I think that I've ever pitched from a meaning standpoint. I've never played in the playoffs, never been to a World Series, but to see how much that meant to so many people uh, again was uh, was a great honor. You know, I still to this day get letters from. Uh, people that were at that game who were maybe 10 or nine years old who were with their moms or dads or their families and now they have families and they want to again kind of uh, go back in history to to show their kids on on, on what that day was so uh, again it was just a very very special day I think for everybody you know um, you mentioned having pitched at Mile High Stadium you saw some big crowds there in the minor leagues I mean we they had those uh, nickel Pepsi nights and Fourth of July nights that were, you know, you had 50, 60,000 people in the stands for a triple A game, but nothing like what you saw on opening day with the 80,000 plus all time record that'll never be touched. Um, Kent Bottenfield told me that Felipe, you know, he was an expo starting pitcher that day, and he <clears throat> he told me that he, Felipe Lulu, expo's manager, came out to talk to him at one point and was yelling at him, complaining, you know, get, get with it. He said he could tell Felipe was mad, but he just couldn't hear a word he was saying. Because it was that loud on the field, it was almost you know Kansas City Chiefs kind of loud out there. You can't use audibles or hand signals in baseball when you're trying to communicate. How did you navigate that? Was the did the crowd were they sophisticated enough to understand that when we were in the field, we probably should be a little quieter? I, I don't. I mean, that was just unheard of. Well, I'll tell you the 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 toughest pitch of the whole game was the first pitch. Um, you know, we were there, everything was going. Uh, I I remember this like an hour ago uh, when play ball, you know, everybody stood up and the, the, the sound just went completely crazy. And it, I, I literally became numb uh, in that it was almost like a sound wave. The, the, the stadium felt like it was moving, like you were in a boat in an ocean. And I reminded my head, yes, but I couldn't throw it. I said, yeah. And I literally kind of froze for, for a very short moment. You know, that ball wasn't, was, was definitely uh, meant to be, be away. It wasn't going to be strike one down the middle because I was afraid that thing might get launched too. So I think once, once again, once, and you know, once, once you get into a game frame of mind and you start to block things out, uh, you you do kind of come into a to a calm. I think after that first inning, after we got out of the first top of the first, uh, we did score some runs. Uh, you know, it's just getting back to playing good old baseball. And, and you know, I like to work fast. I, I like to throw strikes. I like to make contact. And, uh, you know, again, things just started sailing. You had a, a, a guy managing you that first year who you, you probably played against, Don Baylor, um, that we believe around here he should have his number retired at, at Coors field he was a special guy tell me what Don Baylor what that relationship was like for you oh you know he was just he, again what a great human being um you know after it was kind of funny when I got to spring training and uh I ended up having to have some knee surgery uh early on uh you know Groove and I and Larry Bernard we we sat down in the office and we talked about a few things and they basically had planned for me to pitch. So it was a, it was, and, and we, you know, we would kid a lot. We talked a lot. We, uh, when I first actually got there, the first couple of days of spring training, I still had my beard and, and, and Geb, uh, you know, Geb wanted to want me to shave my beard. So we, we went into the office again and I sat with Groove a little bit and I said, listen, you know, whatever you want, Groove, I'm good with, you know. 
And he says, you know, Smitty, it would, uh, it would mean a lot if you would do that. And I said, no problem for you. And again, for, for this whole thing, I have no problem with that. So I think, again, just Don Baylor being a class act human being, not only a great athlete, but again, a very, uh, a very approachable guy. And, yep. uh, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting how we were, I was almost as old as he was. So it was kind of a, you know, just a good old teammate kind of thing. Yet uh, he was the guy in charge and he, uh, you know, again, it was all about respect and, and he got it. Uh, he earned it. He deserved it. And, uh, you know, just, I was just honored to be, uh, I guess, not only to play, never played against him, but knowing him and then uh, being part of that whole thing was great. Remember, you came. I give you credit all the time for the guy who came up with the "Hello, my name is" name tags. I don't remember how that evolved. I just know that you know I, I was getting a lot of attention because I was a local guy and everybody knew me. But everybody else was kind of we didn't even know each other. And you came up with the idea of the name tags. What made you think about that? Because that's all an all time classic. You remember the CR on the sock? And yeah, we, we had. had to, uh, we had I still to have show those socks. CR. Yeah. Uh huh. So because. And so that he, he didn't want those pants going down to the tops of your shoes. Like they wear them. Now we, we had to, we had to show that sock. And yep. uh, so, you know, again, Geb's thing was, uh, you know, he was, he, he kind of uh, again, had these rules The the thing that, that, and I was kind of puzzling to me, you know, we always had our names on our backs. I think every place else we played, but we didn't have our names on our backs in <laughs> spring training. So, you know, nobody knew anybody. And I thought, man, you know what? I'm going to go down to, to Long's Drugs, Drugstore or whatever it is, and I'm going to get this so that, uh, again, at least they could have maybe their name on their – see who you were talking. Name tags were an actual name tags. They had – I think they had booking numbers on them. They, you know, they had all kinds of stuff out of the names. But uh, it was just, like, I think, a, again, a way to, to relax, to, to get comfortable as best we could, as soon as we could, because, again, you know, it's just a matter of – Learn who Mark Knudsen was and what he looked like and put a name with a face. Yep. Hello, my name is. That's classic. I mean, I, you know, the Rockies, there are so many kind of lovable aspects to what happened the way that the way that uh, you guys uh, inaugurated this franchise. Uh, one thing that um, I remember Dante Bichette telling me, he said, you, you know, you would pop out into foul ground and get a standing ovation. Um, and, and they just couldn't, you know, <laughs> it, it was kind of like, it didn't register at first, but then it was like, wow, this is pretty incredible. Um, the fan base here, you know, how did you, you were here in Denver, obviously with the, with the bears as well. So compared with other places, not, you know, not no disrespect to any other town, of course, uh, they're great baseball fans everywhere. What is it about these fans in Colorado that makes them so amazing? Do you think? Well, I think again, you know, Mark mentioned, uh, you know, a 4th of July, uh, that there was 50 or 60,000 people. And I had actually pinched one of those uh, that 4th of July game in 81. And I couldn't believe how many people, I, I think the main thing that, that, that I see there's they're they're very loyal. Uh, you know, I, I don't read a lot of uh, stuff, but, uh, you know, that I don't notice a lot of negativity. Uh, you know, again, they, and maybe that's just, uh, you know, again, what Denver people or Colorado people are like, uh, you know, I compare it to kind of like St. Louis, what a great place to play. You talk about tradition, you talk about all of that. And these people, again, they, they are quality people. Uh, I felt the same thing at Denver. Uh, you know, again, they were encouraging, they were exciting. Um, you know, I unfortunately didn't spend a lot of time there in the major leagues, but, uh, 
I think they were obviously starving for it, but uh, as you well know, a, a fan base, I'll tell you what really opened my eyes was when I went to a Denver Bronco game and I could not believe how loud that place was. And, you know, again, the loyalty there uh, with all their sports, actually. Uh, I just think, again, it's a special place, uh, you know, and it's a mile high in the air. So nobody else can say that. Yeah, I remember uh, Larry Walker saying one time that since he was at that game, he said, I was looking up into the upper deck and I thought, can they see a football up there, let alone a baseball? I mean, it's just you know, 80,000 people all the way up to the top. He's like wondering if, I mean, how a football would look, but then you think about uh, a baseball, you know, and yet they were so rabid and they were all there for, you know, they had been waiting for such a long time, obviously, but they were all doing, they were all just so, I guess, thrilled to have a major league franchise there. I've talked to a few people who were there um, and they just, as fans, and they were just, they just are still, they still glow to this day. Uh, when they talk about that um, was another question about that first season, w was the altitude a big deal or was that all overshadowed by uh, by the, just the, the fanfare of, of having a new franchise? Uh, you know, again, I think there is an issue there. Obviously the light air, uh, I noticed it breathing, um, you know, Gab or actually Baylor in spring training, we, we had conditioned a little bit differently to kind of semi prepare for that. If if you can, but I, you know, the, the, I think the biggest thing was just kind of your oxygen and trying to keep your heart rate and, and things normal as best you could in order to function uh, normally. Uh, but I, I did notice in, in some of my running, uh, you know, conditioning stuff outside and I used to run the streets a little bit. Uh, it, it definitely, uh, you know, you could definitely feel a difference in your, in your breathing and in your air. Uh, and again, the light air, the, the biggest frustration I think I had in Denver was my golf game. I couldn't get the darn distances right. <laughs> were the um, were the, were the pitchers uh, who were a little bit less uh, uh, familiar with, with pitching up here um, apprehensive at all going into that season? Uh, possibly, you know, again, I think the biggest thing with, with pitching there is you're, you're, you know, you're concerned about the ball flying. Um, you know, having coached in the organization at the lower levels, uh, you know, I kept trying to tell guys, listen, get out. Uh, for me, what what kind of compounds the whole thing is maybe you're being cautious and just walking a guy or walking a couple of guys. And then, you know, a ball that's hit that may be an out is either sometimes a double could be a three run home run. So, uh, you know, I still think that you can pitch successful there. Uh, you know, the Maddox is you look at the guys in the history, the Jennings, uh, Billy Swift, uh, some of these other guys that were sinker ball guys, you know, they did have success there. Uh, you know, and there's ways to, to kind of get that home field advantage. Uh, you know, in Wrigley Field, uh, when Ron Say was there and Larry Bow was there, and these were the infield, Davey Lopes was at second. The infield grass had to be every bit of five inches long, and that ball was not going through. Um, I always suggested in Mile High, why not grow the grass a little bit thicker <laughs> to slow it down and get a bunch of guys in there that they can throw sinkers and, and get the ball on the ground. And I still think in a successful pitching way, if you can sink the ball or have it naturally sink and you got to change up behind it, uh, you got a chance. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I never thought about that, but um, you know, especially with the focus on hitting the ball in the air uh, in, in this modern game, you know, you can For that really reason. 
That's why yeah. hitters are trying to do that now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, you could really punish ground balls, especially in a play. And, you know, everybody talks about how fast the track is, you know, I, 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 especially on the infield at, uh, at Coors. You know, you would think about that. I remember, yeah, I remember, you know, being out there on the field at Wrigley and it's like, wow, like you said, five, it's five inches sounds about right. And, uh, and that would make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really know um, why they they maybe never had thought about doing that. What do you, what do you think is a solution as far as a more general and more general sense? How do the Rockies figure out how to finally win it all and win win here at altitude? Because that's you know uh, personnel aside, that's been um, you know going down to sea level and then having to face breaking balls for the first time in a week, real breaking balls, for example. And then um, so for the hitters, that's a difficulty. And then for the pitchers, it can be hard here. How do they, what's the, what's the, what's the blueprint? That's a hard question, but what's the blueprint for the Rockies to finally win? Well, you know, obviously it goes into a lot of different things. Um, but just again, and for me, uh, and I love history of baseball, you know, pitching and defense will win. And, and I truly believe that you look at the Cardinals back in the eighties, uh, yep. you know, they had one or two guys, maybe they could hit a home run. Everybody they ran a else lot could too. run like they, deer. They had great yeah. defense. They ran, boy, they, they ran a lot. And I think that needs to come back into the game uh, with the shift now going back to somewhat normal. Um, I still think an offensive production of speed and, 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 again, mixed in with a little bit of power and some really good defense and, again, uh, you know, some solid pitching, um, you know, that 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 makes for success. You look at the, look at the Astros. They had – I've never seen a pitching staff like that before. And man, they kept just came and coming and coming and coming. There was not one guy in that whole bullpen that, that, that was a slouch by any means. Uh, and you can see how they dominate. I think, again, sometimes you do get caught up in the elements. But I can tell you that, you know, pitching in red field with the ball, the wind blowing out 30 miles an hour didn't change my approach. Hmm. It, it yeah. made me even more of, of trying to get the ball on the ground. Um, but I still think, you know, with, in Colorado, uh, man, I, I'd have some guys that could flat out fly, put, put some pressure on teams. Uh, you know, again, IE the Cardinals, uh, makeup, uh, you know, I know it's changed the whole power thing with, with, you know, the elevation of the baseball and all that, but, you know, Abner put those guys there for a reason. And again, you don't, you don't have to be successful hitting 300 anymore. You can hit 220, but if you hit 40 bombs, you can, you, you know, you, you can, you got a job, you can play. Uh, but now if you get a 220 hitter that only hits 10 home runs, that's a, that's a big advantage. Uh, that's a, that's a plus on the, on the, on the pitching side of it. So uh, my focus again would be a lot on pitching and, and uh, again, trying to have some, some kind of offense that uh, starts stealing some bases. You know, Timmy Rain stole 100 bases a few years, and I'll tell you what. You know that 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 makes a that makes it tough on pitchers. Uh, you know, there's going to be a curious thing now when you can only pick the first base twice. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure how that's going to work out, but uh, you know, that's a whole another another animal there. Well, so I just think a. a a speedy offense and good defense and some pitching, uh, you got a chance. Hey, Smitty, we got to let you run. I know you got stuff to do. We really appreciate your time. Um, you're obviously going to be a legend here the rest of your life. Uh, I left out the part about coaching in the organization, too. That was something else on your resume. You've pretty much done it all here. We really appreciate you joining us and sharing your insights. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. 
Okay, well, thanks again. Good talking to you all, and uh, good luck this season. All right, there he goes, Bryn Smith, the original Colorado Rockies winning pitcher on opening day, getting that W, man, he loves so much. Hey, Manny, uh, you got to close it out for us? Coming in. I'm going to come in All and right. close it out for Brent Smith, which is not going to be an easy thing. It's not an easy act to follow. There you go. Brent Smith joined us today on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us, Manny. I'll wrap it up right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. The first home regular season game in Colorado Rockies history was truly special for the franchise, and not only because it was the first home regular season game. Seriously, what if it had been a dud? Like, what if it had been a 6-0 Expos win to drop the expansion Rockies to 0-3 on the year? In reality, the 11-4 Rockies victory, the first regular season win in franchise history, was anything but a dud. Our guest on today's podcast, Bryn Smith, started that game against his former club and tossed seven scoreless innings, scattering six hits and not walking a batter. The most incredible moment that the 80,227 fans saw, yes, there were more than 80,000 fans packed into Mile High Stadium to witness the historic moment, was Eric Young's towering home run in the first regular season plate appearance at home in franchise history. The word seismic probably doesn't do justice to the decibel level in the building when that ball went over the head of future Rocky John Vanderwall and into the left field stands. Young would go 4-for-4 four four in that game, adding three singles. Charlie Hayes also homered for Colorado, and both Andres Galarraga and Gerald Clark each had three hits on the afternoon. Kent Bottenfield, the man who started on the mound for Montreal, was also a future Rocky at the time. In fact, he'd be traded to Colorado that same season. Another expo in the house that day who would one day don a Rocky's uniform? Hall of Famer Larry Walker, who has said that EY's home run and the thunderous response of the Mile High fans stuck with him and came to mind when he became a free agent two years later. So many present and future implications in two hours and 42 minutes of baseball. The first Major League Baseball played in Colorado by Colorado's own big league franchise. Imagine if it hadn't been so spectacular. Thankfully, it was. So that'll do it. Definitely a win. Make that two wins for us this week on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to the great Tim Raines and Rockies legend Bryn Smith for joining us this week. Imagine having those two on your roster for the season ahead. As always, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.